Hey, what's up? It's Michael Yo. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast. Appreciate you. Ernie the Engineer is here. Uh, what's up, Ernie? Yo, what's up? What's good? Oh, you finally learned how to talk into uh, the mic. You know, it took some time, but I got the position right on these new arms. You know, this yeah. high-tech stuff. Man. It looks good over there. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, people can't see you. You're like the dude that's behind the fence on home improvement. Oh, yeah, yeah. The dude with the... Yeah, yeah. you're just the voice behind the mic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, we're getting there. My wife is pregnant. Everybody knows this. It's getting closer and closer and closer. It's nerve-wracking, man. I'm kind of nervous about it, bro. Whoa. What I'm nervous, nervous about the number two. The number one, I wasn't nervous. But number two, I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of scared. Well, because you know how amazing it's going to feel. Is that what's going on? Or what, what that, are you afraid of? But sometimes you feel overwhelmed with one kid, and you're like, ugh. And then I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my God. And just X number of weeks, which is not very far, we're going to have another one. And I'm right. like, if my wife gets frustrated sometimes at one what are we going to do with two? Like, I already right. am a guy that doesn't do a lot right. You know, my wife is like, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. <laughs> now it's going to be like, oh, you need to do everything. It's like, it's going to be so insane. Oh, man. So are you thinking already about if it's a boy or a girl? Oh, no. So we don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl, but it do- that doesn't matter to me. I think that matters more to my wife and her family and my yeah. family. I got my son, and I hate to sound stupid, but I got my boy. He's super athletic. He's only two and a half and he's knocking golf balls over the fence. Like the dude is special. Like my son is special. And I know all you people watching, like my kid's special too. I'm not saying your kid is not special. Stop trying to compare my kid with yours. All right. This is my podcast, not yours. You want to talk about your kid? You have your own goddamn podcast. Okay. I hate those one uppers, Ernie. I talk about you, you say something nice on your Instagram about your kid and somebody else is saying, Oh, well, you know, my kid did that too. I don't care about your kid. Stop trying to one up me on my own page. Okay. That irritates the hell out of me. By the way, side note, Fahim Anwar is going to be on the show. Phenomenal comedian. Yeah, great. A huge fan. There, he made the variety list. For one of the comedians to watch. It only took him 17 years. People are like, oh, he's new. No. Fahim has been doing it for 17 years and finally getting the credit he deserves. No, and no one knows that. It's Nobody just, knows. Yeah, no one sees the struggle. They just see the you know, the end result. So. It's like the 20-year the overnight success. People are just like, wow, this dude came out of nowhere. No. He's been doing it for 17 years, so we're going to learn about his story. He was passed at the comedy store like 2009. So I want to know what it's like being at the comedy store Back then to now, and I heard his first friend in comedy was Chris D'Elia. So I want to ask about that, too. Yeah, yeah. So he has a lot going on. Uh, I also want to talk about, real quick, because everybody in the entertainment news is talking about this. I don't know if you heard. Demi Moore coming out with her brand new tell-all book. Yeah. She's talking about threesomes with Ashton Kutcher, miscarriage, splitting up. Ashton Kutcher uh, tweeted, I was about to write a snarky text, but then I looked at my son, my daughter, and my wife, and I erased it. Heart face emoji. I mean, it's like they haven't been married in over 10, 15 years or whatever it is. But for an ex to bring up and put you on blast in a book, like a tell-all book, you think that's right or wrong? Or she she deserves it. I mean, she, she has a right to do it. Uh, is she, I don't know. It, you don't think this is a publicity thing? Maybe it's like, oh, of course, yeah, everything, yeah. everything in a tell-all book, anything that's big <laughs> is publicity. But she talks about, also talks about her mom at the age of sixteen coming home and basically selling her as a prostitute some, to some random dude at the house. Had yeah. sex with a dude for five hundred bucks. Uh oh, somebody's at the door. Oh, that's Fahim. That's Fahim at the door. Yeah, Fahim is here. So uh, we're going to come right back with Fahim Anwar. He's on right now. The Michael Yo Show. Celebrities. Pop culture. And comedy. Hey, what's up? It's Michael Yo. Welcome to the Michael Yo Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Give it five stars in the studio. One of the most brilliant writers oh, I know. Come on. That's nice. Thanks. You're probably the only writer I know. But <laughs> right. no, I know. No, you know a lot, man. Come on. <laughs> Fahim Anwar, how are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right. So I want to talk about this. Um, Variety Magazine. Yeah. Comedian to watch. Uh-huh. You've been doing 17 years. 17 years. But I'm a young whippersnapper now. You are. Yeah. You're, you're new in the, you're new I in the game. I exist now. It That's takes right. 17 years to exist. How, what changes after something like that? Does anything change after Variety says you're a person to watch? Kind of. Or I don't know. I think gone are the, the years when you do one thing like 
Carson or a list like this, and then you're like set and you're a made man. Like there used to be a time when it was like that. You did Carson once. Well, he 35 million people would see you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like the only, all the eyes were there. But now I find, look, it's very cool. You know, it's a list that I wanted to be on for a long time. Um, but nowadays it's sort of like, it's an amalgam of a bunch of things. It's like, all right, you do one late night, you do another one, you do this variety list. It's just all of that. And maybe you do a movie. It just takes so many things to kind of like chip away at people's perceptions. Yeah. And then doors kind of slowly open. It's just such a, uh, delayed thing. It happens over time. There's no like, boom, you're on. I think it is very rarely. Maybe it still happens, but like super rare. Do you feel that like for people that don't know the industry, like when you get on a list like that, how much work do you have to do to get zero? That's why like, uh, maybe your people are working behind the scenes pitching. I'm sure like my reps through my Somebody my had to years have like tried to pitch everything and be like, nah, or I'm not actively doing anything. I'm uh-huh. just doing stand up around town and working on my own. You know, I'm not lobbying. So do they, do they, do they tell you why? That's was- what I wanted to know. Like when they, when they told me I got it, I was like, Oh cool. Like I forgot about it just because sometimes you'll want a thing, you'll pine for it for so long and then you just never get it. <laughs> and then you just forget of you. You give up on it. Kind yeah. of, you go, all right, whatever. Like, um, this door's not open. I'll go through a window. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Make <laughs> you know, your own way. Yeah, make your own I'll way. I'll drive a car through that bitch. So, I mean, so, so many people in entertainment and just the arts, they fall into that trap of like just waiting behind the gatekeeper's door. Like, tell me when I'm enough. Yeah. And they just wait until it's too late or they don't make at least like move your feet, move your feet. So, so that's the thing is like, you know, I was talking to friends about this. We're in a situation where a lot of times we do have to wait on other people, but now you used to, you used to now we're saying like, I saw you just do Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh-huh. Like that dude made his own career. Yeah. Like literally he can say yes or no to anything. Andrew Schultz is a guy like that. Uh, there's plenty of other comedians that are making their own name uh, for themselves. So I feel the industry is changing, but still at the same time, it's if nice. you want to get on TV, you're yes. still waiting. There is still this division. There yes. is this new, exciting Wild West, which is like Instagram, YouTube, podcasting, just straight to the people, no gatekeeper, and you're seeing a lot of success stories. But then there's like uh, like Dunkirk. There are barriers of entries. Oh, yeah. To, you know, there's, there's so many moving parts and studios. Like, this is gritty. It's easy to do. There's not, a, like, there is production value, but it's not as much as like Dunkirk or Absolutely. Spider-Man or something. And and what I love about it, you control everything on oh, this yes. platform. On this yeah. platform. Now, even when you get a TV show, it's like, oh, we love your idea. We love your idea. We're going to make a TV show. Once it comes out, it's probably 90% not your idea Because there's so much money involved now. Like, the overhead is so low on something like this where you have complete control. But once... Um, there's so much more money in a studio behind it. And you got this guy putting his two cents, this guy, this is noted to death. So, and then it's no longer the Michael Yo thing. Yeah. So what is the toughest thing for you? You've been doing stand up for 17 years, all 17 years in LA. No, I was in Seattle for like four of them. Okay. So, and then long beach, but I would drive up. So four years, then I moved to long beach and I was, so when did you get past at the comedy store? How long ago? Like 2010, 2010. Yeah, so nine years. Yeah, nine yeah, years. yeah. What, what has been the uh, biggest struggle uh, for you in that nine years being at the comedy store and just really being in Hollywood and dealing with the industry? What did, uh, well, when I got past the store, um, was that Mitzi? Uh, no, it was like, she was still sick. And like, so she wasn't like visiting the store that much. It was Tommy. It was the Tommy uh-huh. years. Yep. So yeah, I was trying to get past there and it's such a process. That's the thing. And I'm kind of fortunate that I met that place at a time in my life when you, in my twenties where I could just burn that much time hanging out, you know, like some people, well, they, yeah. some people catch the store too late in their life. Yeah. Like they're in their late twenties or, you know, have a family. They, have a family. they can't just hang and that's yeah. like part of it. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. And so to get past at the comedy store where people got to realize like it's a brethren. Oh, like, it's a frat house for sure. Yeah, it's a frat. You have to be around all the time for yes. people to know you. Nobody ever goes, oh, this dude crushes on stage. Let's pass him. That doesn't happen. Yeah. And, unless, but if you're it does, unless you're a New York guy and you've built some notoriety, yeah. and then it's kind of a formality to come in. But if you're like just a funny person, unknown, like no ink or whatever or anything, yeah. and no one really knows who you are, it's like so hard to, you still have to like 
How long did it take you like hanging out and doing your thing at that place before? Three years, three or three years. Yeah, three years. (laughs) And what was your passing process? What'd they do? So what happened with me is like, I never really gave the store the time of day because I was living in Long Beach and it was just so far away. Yeah. But then um, there was this show in the Valley at the Sportsman's Lodge, which is no longer there anymore. But that was the only place I could get up on the weekends. So I would drive to the Valley from Long Beach like every Friday and Saturday and it was this terrible, that's the thing. Like when you're a younger comic, you do the worst shows in the world yeah. just because like, <laughs> yeah. that's all that's available to you. And you need to get up and you need to get up and you kind of don't know any better. Um, like delusion is your rocket fuel. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, so and you, know, you get paid nothing. You get paid nothing. Yeah. yeah. So I was doing this open mic on the patio of the sportsman's lodge. So like it's right there by Ventura or whatever. So you mm-hmm. hear the buses going by and just like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. The, people could see the bus behind you and it would, it would stop and you would just hear, you'd be in the middle of a joke and you just hear, just like the air brakes, just, and then you'd like wait for the bus. Right. So I would do that. And then I met uh, Dalia, Chris Dalia out there. And we were just both like nobodies just running around town and he thought I was funny I'm like, ah, I didn't like myself. Now, was Chris D'Elia, Chris D'Elia at that no, time? Okay. No, yeah. We were both no ones, and now we're megastars. <laughs> now, he and I are both equal megastars. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris D'Elia was, this was 2000. He was just doing the mic scene as well. 2007, 8, 9? Yeah, around there. Around there, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, we became friends. We exchanged numbers, and he was kind of like one of my first friends in, in LA, or like comedy friends as well. Is it hard for you? you? You seem kind of like an introvert. I am. Well, I'm, I have gears. It's like, I, I, I know you really well. Yeah. So I can be me with okay. Michael Yo. Cause okay. we've hung out several yeah, times absolutely. and like, yeah. But like, if we just met for the first time, you're going to get a different me. I'm a little more, I'm, I lay in the cut. I observe. Like if we go to a party or something and I don't know anybody, I'll do pleasantries and stuff, but I'm not like, you're not the, I'm not life of the party. The social butterfly. No, 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 no. I got to know you. I have to be like comfortable and then I can kind of be me. You Is know? that what, what, what causes that? You think you I just, think for me, maybe Middle Eastern upbringing, you okay. know, like uh, the nail that sticks out gets pounded. Get back in your hole. Yeah. I just don't know if that's a trait. Um, you know, be studious and all that. I yeah, don't know if it's like a very middle-aged thing. Be like, oh. I mean, it is for some. Maybe the ones that are a little more like LA or like, I don't know, adopt the Latino or like black culture. You know, because <laughs> yeah, there's no, pockets yeah. of Afghans who live closer to like, like um, I have some cousins in um, like Northern California and they were closer. Like my school was all like white and Asian. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I'm not like of the party. I just have different me's. All right. I love that episode of Seinfeld where- George is talking about his worlds. Uh-huh. He's like, you're killing independent George. <laughs> he, so you he, have he has friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have family for him. You have friend for him. You have, <laughs> you have stage for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, They're different things to me. So in 2000, like when you were doing these open mics, uh, these terrible, yeah, uh, I open. cut off that story. Uh-huh. Uh, so when did you transfer from the sports lodge to the comedy <laughs> store? All right, so the genesis of that was I met Chris and we became friends and he kind of gave me a reason to start leaving Long Beach more because I was I was working there and then I was I and then by by night I would kind of drive around do these spots and he got passed at the comedy store like very recently so that gave me a reason to start coming to the comedy store because you had Cause a friend my friend to hang was out there with you. Yeah, like I, I had you. I had an in you know mm-hmm. before it's just you're this faceless person. And it's not the warmest of places if you don't know anybody. Um, so. And what was the, in, in 2010, because the comedy store is the hottest place on the planet right now. Yes. On a Tuesday night. Oh, it was dead, man. Like, Was it really? Yeah. Like, uh, it was like never sold out. On, only like the lower, like in the OR, maybe it's maybe it would go back like five seats. There'd just be so much empty space in the back. Wow. Yeah, even on Fridays and Saturday, it wasn't a hot spot whatsoever. Like, meltdown was huge. So, there was some... All right, so I'm getting yeah. ahead of myself. So, Chris gets passed there. It gives me an excuse to start hanging out with my friend and just going to the comedy store. So, I go there on the weekends just, you know, to get out. And then he vouches for me with Tommy. He's like, yo, this guy's really funny. Like, you gotta... He's like, come by the open mic. So, then I start putting my time in with the open mic. So, I would come... They would, it was two nights at that time. They would do Saturday or no, no, they would do Sunday and Monday were the open mics. Mm -hmm. And I have a day job, so I couldn't do, I was working at Boeing at the time. 
So I couldn't do Mondays. So I would do Sunday. And then Tommy would do these mind game things. Like it was like the Marines, like getting past the comedy store was like being a Marine. Like he would test your physical limits with how late you would stay. What? And also like mental would be like, yeah, yeah, you'll get up, you'll get up. And then it'll be 3am. And he's like, and then you're not going up. Cause like the list, the, you're not on the list, even though you were told you're on the list. It was weird shit. I don't know if it was so really. You, but you didn't like that, did you? I mean. No, I, I hate it. <laughs> like, okay, okay. I mean, I'm not a rage guy or anything, but I'm like, I can't. This so is ridiculous. I, yeah, I did it for a little bit. And then I had a conversation with Tommy. I was like, look, I understand there's a system in place. <laughs> I want to play ball. Yeah. You know, I respect it and all that. But I, I like I have work. I have like a day job. Um, like if I come, I, I kind of need to know I'm going to go up because I, I have to wake up super early the next morning. Because he's probably used to people, a lot of people that don't have like yeah, just burnouts. Burn, and like, yeah. Yeah, no, like <laughs> I, I don't crack know. Heads. I'm not throwing everyone under the bus. Burnouts, crackheads, you know. That's the thing about comedy is like you'll get guys like you who are just like dot your eyes, cross your T's, like you're about it. Like yeah. me, I think as well. Like yeah. we're very um economical with our time and yeah. we were hundred percent yeah yeah like, is this, isn't, is this isn't a game yeah <laughs> comedy's no joke this is serious business yeah but then there's other people who are just kind of like float through and like here's an idea and yeah you know yeah they're just there for the hang they're there for the hang yeah they're they're which so, is fine yes it's a different thing though yeah i think it's um less frustrating if you don't go up and you're that guy as opposed to like I've scheduled this. <laughs> this is in my calendar. This is in my Excel spreadsheet. Why am I, why am I not going on? So how long did you have to do that before you got passed? So probably like two, two or three years. So of this it, open mic thing. At the yeah. Yeah. Store on this so Sunday. it was huge that Chris vouched for me. Yeah. And then that opened the door for me to start coming. I was one of the guys to come through kind of in the system for Mike. And you do that. Until a certain time, and then they go. I remember I got off stage, and he's like, "Colin, your avails Monday." Oh, and that was that was huge. Yeah, and I didn't think it would mean as much to me as it did. It kind of like crept up on me. It caught me off guard, like when I got past. I didn't think that I valued that that much, but I did. Uh huh. Yeah, I was over the moon. I mean, what what <laughs> I love about you, you're a very humble guy, but every comedian at the comedy store. If your name comes up, they all go, Oh, he's phenomenal. Oh, that's like, like you get the respect of a lot of, like, I don't want to call you a comedian's comedian, but you get the respect of a lot of comedians where there's a lot of comedians out there. Comedians don't really respect. They're just huge. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Which is more, but let me ask you, which would be more important to you? Be a huge comedian or respected by comedians? I mean, both would be nice. Yeah, it would be. But I will say, you know, what you just said, um, was like fuel for me or it kept me going. It was sustenance. Cause when you don't have that other thing, yeah, you know, like I think the commercial success had escaped me for longer than like maybe some of my peers. And I would hear this all the time. Like, dude, why aren't you like, yeah. like I've been under the radar for seven years. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm just so under the yeah, radar. Yeah. So, so that sucks. It's nice to hear. But and, I, and, 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 you in the industry we're in, mm-hmm. you see people you started way before. Oh yeah! All of a sudden they get they pass you by, right? And they're on a TV show, they're on this, but it's it's this type of city where you just kind of kind of suck it up and go, hey, it's their time, it's not mine, and you got to kind of yeah, accept every, that. Well, yeah, and that's everybody a, has that's their a own lesson journey. you learn. Mm-hmm. It like after it happens so many times, yeah, but you it's know? hard. It's hard. It is at first when you're yeah, a comic first, and you yeah. have nothing. Yeah, like at least I have things now and I have a, like a career, but. At first, when you have nothing and you're scrap, grasping at straws, you just kind of feel like, ah, my, my, where's my rocket ship? Or like, <laughs> like, why? And it won't even make sense. It'll be like so-and-so, and it's like some black roll. And you're like, I should have that. <laughs> like, like, well, you're not even. Why the cast? You're not even. It just makes no yeah, sense. Yeah. I should have I should be in Girl Strip. <laughs> Why did they cast a Tiffany? I could be a way better Tiffany Haddish for that role. Yeah, so it even makes no sense when you're a younger comic. But everyone's journey is so different. But what kept me going or what was nice was just, I always, I've been fortunate enough to always have the respect of my peers yeah. through my tenure of comedy. And that, that's very filling, you know, until you have that other thing, it keeps you going. Yeah. Just to have like top to bottom, just people like really to have that peer respect. Uh, How, yeah. How's it feel now? Cause when you were at the comedy store, you said it was empty. Like yeah. we, we got in a, you said it wasn't oh, filled yeah. up. And so I'm kind of glad that I got passed during that time. Um, and well, you couldn't see it for then because you can't see into the future. You don't know that it's going to have this resurgence or the yeah. pendulum's going to shift. 
I'm just toiling away in obscurity. Like no suits or talent. People are really like looking. It's like a black hole of comedy. For how many years from 2010 to about what? Uh, like one, like maybe a year before Rogan started coming back. Like it started turning around before Rogan came. Like once Adam took over. Yes. It started. So what year I was forgot, that? Uh, about I mean, 15? I'm ballparking it. Yeah, maybe, 2000, maybe 2015 or yeah. 2014. Because Rogan was kind of banned from the club. <clears throat> so it was that Mencia thing that yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think they kind of took, uh, at the time, Mencia was so huge. And the store took kind of like Mencia's side. Yeah, they had, the they money had to maker. choose. They had yeah, to choose. he was the moneymaker. And then, even though it's kind of, it's fucked up, you know? So Rogan's like, he just goes to the Ice House pretty much. Like, I remember just, he would always have shows there. And I would never, I wouldn't, you know, I, I was at the store a lot, but he would never come by or anything. Yeah. So he was just kind of like over there at the ice house. Then Adam takes over. It's run a little bit more like a business. Yeah. Instead of a, a Marine. Instead of an asylum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of the moves and some of the, yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. But Adam ran it more like a business, like. We want these big people. Yes. Here. We want it to be welcoming for A-listers. Like yeah. there's no reason some of these people. Uh, shouldn't be passed. And then it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like mega stars, you know? And then it became, then, then like Rogan came back and that was fucking like an, another level. Yeah. And then burn, like it just became the place to be. And now you're a part of that. And now I'm a part of that. How yeah. How does yeah, that yeah. feel, man? Because I'm, I'm a guy that honestly, like in my mind, I've just always said, I'll never get past at the comedy store. Cause I know the procedure it is like I can't I have a family yeah, I got another kid yeah, yeah. like I can't put in that work and to tell you the truth I feel myself I want to be if I ever get past I want to be at such a big level where it's like it's a formality it's a formality like oh this it's it's respect yes. you know it's like okay this yes. dude has accomplished this in comedy yeah. we respect him I respect y'all there's Pass only him. there's but, two ways to get past yeah. it's put your time in yeah. it's like you know, a younger comic or yeah. just if you have that time to slog it out for yep. a couple of years and then, all right, they get passed or you come in, you know, as a juggernaut or something. As or a Tiffany like, Haddish, yes, as a Kevin yes, yes, Hart, as a, a formality. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. There's really no other way to do it. Yeah. Um, and there's no way I can spend every night in that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and it wouldn't, it would, it my would, wife it, would kill me. Sure. And it would be benefit <laughs> prohibitive too. Yeah. Like, like what do you gain by doing that? Yeah. You already get up so many other places. Like you're already making moves. Okay. So I've always been an advocate for getting where you fit in. I just true. happened to fit in at the store at that time. And although no one was really looking at me at that time, cause it was a comedy black hole. Everyone was at meltdown. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, that'd be, ah, oh. and like, there'd be shows that are hard to get on. And okay, Meltdown, where was that? Was that at the bookstore? The, the comic book store on Sunset. Gotcha. I remember yeah, that. That was, okay. that was like, the, the everyone show. is going there. And it's frustrating as an artist where, you know, sometimes there's exciting things happening in a lot of different scenes. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe I understand it. When you work as a suit, you know, at a, in a building, you just hear about some show and then it's kind of lazy scouting where they're like, oh, we'll just go here all the time. You know what? We're just going to go and they don't go anywhere else. And there's like some pretty exciting things happening at the comedy store in the dark ages, you know, yeah. like I was just kind of toiling around and then, you know, Andy, Andy Farrick, like he, he's my manager now. And like, he, he was just a young kid who's like a, in the mail room at CAA yep. and he just happened to be like hanging out at the comedy store a ton. No one was, he was the only guy who would go there. He wasn't the cattle. Like I call a lot of people, yes. they just, they're cattle. He oh, this is the hot. Cattle. Yeah. So he would just hang and he was seeing all these, this untapped thing. Like I was going up super late night and everything. And he's like, how does no one know about this guy? And he's like telling CA at the time when, when I was there, he was in the mailroom. He's like, this guy, you gotta, are you still with him? No, no, I'm off somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, this guy, you gotta like, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's like the boy that cried wolf, you know? Yeah. And they're like, nah, nah, nah. But then over time, they kind of got it. But it took someone going off the beaten path and being like, hey, hey, no one's here. I got this whole. Yeah. This yeah. So now, how'd you meet uh, Hassan? Oh. Did I say that right? Yeah, Hassan. Hassan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how'd you meet him? Just stand up in LA. So. He lived out here as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, he was out here. Oh, I didn't know the that. whole goat face crew. We were just doing stand up comedy around town. We'd always see each other. And I think he was, I met him when he was still living. He hadn't made the move to LA yet. I think he was still he's li- from the Bay area. He's from the Bay area. Sacramento, right? Yeah. Okay. So he was living in the city though. He was living in San Francisco. I think working at Ming, it was like this internet startup when 
people and brands were trying to do like their own MySpace. Yeah, I don't think okay. it's around anymore, but no. it'd be like 50 Cent wants his own MySpace. <laughs> and you would go, <laughs> like his own branded. Yeah, his own, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was working at that company and then doing stand up at night and he invited me to do this show at the punchline. I don't know if we, that might've been the first place. I don't know. I, I could be watching it, but that's one of my first memories of hanging out at the punchline. So I did that show. He put it together and then he moved to LA and we'd always see each other at shows and stuff. And then me and my buddy, Aristotle, a theorist, yep. we would do sketches on YouTube. Some of them would go viral and some of them wouldn't. We felt like, uh, eh, we're two funny guys, but there's no angle. Like he, he's half Greek, half Iranian. Uh-huh. I'm full Afghan. We go, all right, if we bring like Hassan and Asif into the mix, now it's like four brown guys. That's like a hook. So much of this business, and you know, is like, what's the angle? Yeah. Sometimes funny isn't enough. No. I feel like that's kind of like why my success has been a little delayed because what box do you put me in? Like, I'm an Afghan American. I, I was born in Seattle. I'm very American. I talk about Middle Eastern stuff sometimes if, if I have a maybe a political idea about something or, but it might be like 10% or 20% of my yeah. act. Mm hmm. So, you know, these suits are like, all right, where do we what, put what, where, where's the dollar signs? Like if I was just like a good looking white guy or something, I'd be like, all right, we know what to do with him. Yeah. Or if I'm like a talented black guy, it's like, all right, we know where the dollar signs are. Who, you and, know. Another thing, where's your audience come from? Well, yeah, who's my audience? Yeah. Is it white people? Is it brown people? Like I'm not brown enough for like brown, brown people. I'm not, why don't, so it just, it takes longer or the funny has to be. Consistent for a so, long or time. Or so exponential that we're like, all right, now it makes sense. Because so much of this town is just sort of like, all right, where do we put you? You know, what box? Where's the money? Yeah. No one wants to be like, yeah. oh, what are, what are your thoughts and all that? It's sort of like, all right, she's young. She's 23. All right, we got, we got to do it. Like, okay, you know. So Asif. Mm-hmm. Is he on every commercial on TV? Oh, yeah. He's in everything. What, what is, uh, like, how does he get booked on every freaking come if there's a brown person in oh. a commercial it's him he'll be in like every commercial break yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he is I, I, yeah i never have to ask what he's up to because i see because <laughs> you see his yeah, commercial yeah. i don't have to be like yo what are you up to i'd be like oh okay so he's doing a h and r block <laughs> that's cool but it's weird because you remember like in the past they would never want to use the same people in different brands now uh, it's become a yeah, thing yeah they would have like a non-compete clause like yeah. you couldn't eat a burger king burger and then a wendy's burger that's right like now- people at home would be like that guy, yeah. <laughs> he lied to me. He lied to me. But He's this a dude burger. is yeah. killing it on every commercial, and he gets booked for every TV show. Yeah, yeah. Whether yeah. it works or He's not, He's bo- so he should just live at studios. That's you amazing. Don't even have a home. Do you ever look at that? And because he's so close to you, and go, okay, what am I missing? Am I not brown? Or what, like, what's happening? Uh, early, again, it's one of those things of like early on. You're like, oh man, how do I? But it takes a while to figure out what your lane is. You yeah. know, like he's great at that. Uh-huh. And that may not be my thing, you know, like I've leaned more into stand up, and that's kind of, I think maybe also sees what I'm doing in stand up, and we're like, ah, oh, I want to be there with, with that. Yeah. And sometimes I'll see that with his booking and stuff like, ah, oh, I want to do that. So there's, yeah. there's power in kind of like leaning into what you already do. It's so, it's so funny that in this industry, People will look at what you're doing and go, wow, he, he's at the comedy store. I wish I could do that. Yeah. But he's on five TV shows. You know what I mean? Like that right. person, like it's always you want that other thing sure. that you're not doing. Or like I'll, like you'll have, you know, from this or like, you know, radio or something and it takes off and you're like, oh, fuck, that'd be great. You yeah. know? But like you've been doing it for years and you've built this audience and it's yeah. this different thing. So it's kind of naive for me to think oh, I should be having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's human nature. Uh huh. Yeah. What, what's been your toughest part in stand up? Like your first time on stage did you bomb how'd it go your first time ever first time ever i think there's like i i I say there's two first times for me the first time i ever ever did stand up was at it was in high school it was um this comedy night we put together because i wanted to do stand up for the talent show and then they said no comedy okay you're not allowed to do (laughs) comedy that's a weird talent show well because i think they were worried about like parents getting upset got you because if someone plays the piano, no one's going to get, no one's going to like write a letter to the school. <laughs> yeah. Like you call that Chopin? <laughs> right? So yeah. music is very safe. Comedy is where they're worried about like ruffling feathers. So they said no comedy. And I was just like really upset. Like, oh, how can you rule out an entire art form just because yeah. you don't want a letter from a parent potentially? 
So then instead of just laying down, me and my friend put on this comedy night at our high school and it was after hours and we had to do it. They made us jump through so many hoops and we finally did it. And then I did 30 minutes of stand up on it. Your first time ever. First time, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. If anyone like is watching, like normally when you do stand up for the first time, you do like three minutes yeah. or five minutes at an open mic. Yeah, it goes three, five, eight, twelve, fifteen. Yes. Yeah, you Those build are the increments like that. that you build. But yeah. I was like, nah, I've got a hot thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I've got me having never done stand up, I have something to say. say. Yeah. I have something to contribute. But whatever. It was a supportive environment, you know, they're everybody friends. loved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great first time. And then, so that's my like technically first time. But then the first time I did stand up, like in the real world, was at the Comedy Underground in Seattle. <clears throat> and that was like five minutes. And it went, it went well. It went well, decent enough to like keep on going. Now, when you're, how, how do you write? Because you're such a brilliant, I mean, you've helped me on stuff. Like, I've never sat down with a person. I, I would put you and Joe Coy on the same level where literally you sit down, throw out a topic, and you yeah, like a machine gun and this and this and yeah, this and yeah, this yeah. and this and this. Uh, did you always have that or did, is this something you developed? I think I've always had it. Like maybe it's become more refined and I can see the matrix a little more. Like when, when something just gets thrown at me, then I could see, I, I'll know that it'll, it'll work more like in stage language because uh-huh. I've been doing it so long. But I think I've always had that just because of what I consumed as a kid. Like I grew up on um, Simpsons, yeah, okay. and and SNL and uh, Conan, you know, and I think if that's turning your brain into comedy putty as a kid, what a great foundation to have because those are just like so quick and absurd, and it's almost like oh, and this and the, it's like fun, it's like a yeah. fun sparring match, yeah, like and, literally, and the neurons are like lightning quick and everything, so so it's less methodical about like. Oh, and then he can enter. It's more like yeah. we're having fun. It's like, I don't know. It's yeah, crazy. It's like, it's like tennis or something. Yeah. So, so have you ever tried out for SNL? Yeah. Maybe like uh two or three right before goat face. So it was happening around the same time we were developing goat face for comedy central. Uh-huh. And that was always the dream to just have, you know, our own sketch show with the guys. Yeah. You know? And then, but then I got this audition for, for SNL. Neil so, Brennan helped me out get it. So so what was your audition? Because I know some comedians, they just go in and do stand-up. Yeah. And that's it. But I know you're a character. You, you're kind a great actor. Kind of, yeah. Like, so what did you do for your audition? I just did stand-up. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I've heard enough stories about people doing stand-up and, and that's like allowed. I just didn't want to. Maybe I have the capacity to do characters and I will do them in my stand-up sometimes. I'll break into if I'm like doing a scene or something like some, I run into this guy and I do him or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like a terrible joke. <laughs> I run into this guy. <laughs> and he was like, Hey, yeah. but you know what I mean? In doing stand up, yeah. like, yeah, I'll do both roles if I have to. Um, but I was like, why am I, I don't want to get a box and put on a wig and or, that's not what I do. I do stand up. So why don't I, again, it's one of those things of playing to your strengths. That's good for groundling people or like uh second city people. Cause that's like a duck in water. That's what they do. But I didn't want to audition for SNL as a, like as a stand up in my bones and then, and then try to be a groundling on the most yeah. important audition of your so, life. So how was the experience for you? Mine was kind of lower tier. Like when I say I auditioned for SNL, it makes it sound like I flew to New York and I was on the, I yeah. wasn't even that. It was just when they were here in LA. Gotcha. So they were at IO West and I just, yeah, I did it. I did stand up on it. Um, I was, I, I liked what now, I did, what, man. Is, I it, like, is it an industry room where it's very like everybody? A little bit, a little, I mean, cause they're there. Everyone knows they're there. Yeah. I think Ben Affleck was there too. Ben Affleck and Casey Affleck were there. And then like one of the producers was there too. So do they not laugh as loud? No, it was good. It was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I've heard they don't laugh that loud when it's, when it's on that, uh, that stage in Rockefeller center, because it's just the writers in the back of the room you Yeah, know? for, for that audition. Uh huh. Mine was just like here in LA and it was good. Like I, I liked what I did and that's all you can ask for when you audition for something is like, is that a reflection of you? You know? And if it is, then that's out of your hands. Cause they asked me to audition for SNL probably like five years ago. Mm. And, but they, they were saying you need to bring three characters. I guess this was before you could just, people knew you just could do stand up yeah. or maybe that was a secret. I don't understand. I was like, cause, I cause like do Pete three Davidson characters. did stand up, I believe. Leslie Jones did stand up. Yeah. But I think that's over the last, like maybe this was seven years ago, but I remember the phone mm. call like, Hey, NBC or like they're going to be in town. They want you to audition, but you need to know three characters. Right. And I go, I don't do characters. I just stand up. And by, and honestly, Honestly, I just started comedy nine years, so seven years 
ago would have been two years. I wouldn't have been ready anyway. Uh-huh. And so I said no. But like now it seems like if you can pull off stand up in front of that crowd, yeah. then they feel like you can do anything. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I just like um, letting people do what they do. Yeah. Instead now, of, hey, square, be a circle. <laughs> yeah. Let Shane Gillis, yeah. we all know that name now, know uh-huh. uh, on SNL. Right. What's your, like, because to me, you're a true comedian. Like, you speak from uh, the comedy side first, as a comedian first. Yeah. So what's your take on that? Like, he said uh, some racial slurs in a, in a, on a podcast. Yeah. And then it wasn't just that. They found other videos of him, which I think complicated the problem more. And then his apology wasn't really apology. Yeah. He used the, hey, I'm a comedian, I, I, I'm a risk taker. Mm-hmm. So knowing all that, what's your take on it? I think, like... This is the first of, like, I didn't know that this is like the first of someone actually getting the job taken away like that, you know? I think it's, of course, it's ugly, you know? Yeah. You look at that, like, I don't condone that. I think it's fucked up. But here, I can understand maybe the thought process about, like, what, what he was trying to do. What sucks is that there was no even syntax of a joke. Yeah. You know? So it was uh, kind of just like if me and you just started talking about Asian people and just dogging them. Like, yeah. But, but in no context. I think what has happened in the past is people have tried to make a racial joke and it lands flat and they, they still get attacked. Um, but at least you could see like, all right, they try to do some flips. Yeah. And they yeah. didn't stick the landing. This one is just so conversationally. Because it was that, a that, podcast. Yeah. Too. Like all, all, all the... Um, all like the tried and true excuses of, of the past of like, no, I'm like, oh, it was seven years ago. Like that's not there. Cause it was like a year ago yeah. or like, uh, he's trying to make a, a joke. Like there was no syntax around yes. it. So I understand. So that's, what's unfortunate about it. But one thing I was telling a friend too, about like, I think there's this New York scene, especially with like podcasting and comedy too, where just being very brazen with your words and everything it's almost counterculture. It's like a scene, I think, kind of it, like, I, like I you, agree. Know, you know how... Um, I said, I said not to cut you off, but <laughs> I was doing a podcast and I said, it seems that style of comedy is very geographical. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, a very... He's yeah. from Philly. It's very raw, it's Philly, very Philly, New York. New York. Like, we don't think about our words. Yeah. We just, words I'm, are words. I'm going to just say whatever pops into my head. There's be aggressive. Pe- there's people who like... Love, there, love there's that. a ton of people who like, like love that, especially because... It feels They're like trying pendulum. to pull off a Bill Burr, a little but, bit, but a little bit more yeah. risky. And also just in this climate we're in, because the other side of it is being overly PC Sensitive. and yeah. woke. And this just seems like the antithesis to that. Yeah. And so it speaks to a lot of people like to just brazenly talk like that. Um, so I don't think it's malicious. I think it's like a style um, to like feed to whoever's listening to the. So even though it comes across as like racist, I don't know if it's. See, I, my, I think it's my, just playing into that, um, like, yo, I'm so, I'm such a bad boy. I just, I don't, I don't think about what I say. I agree with that, and they use the label as comedy on that, but that's just like what, what I, what I, what I told one of my friends when he asked me about. It, I go, people talk different in different places, mm-hmm. like. The words he used in that, I guarantee you a lot of people in Philly talk like that. Mm-hmm. If he's from Philly a lot, but a lot of people would be even worse in Houston, Texas, you know, where I'm from. Yeah. But in LA, you wouldn't hear that talk. Oh, no. No, you know, so it's like marriage. Like LA and New York, people get married way later. later. My friends in Houston, Texas got married at 21. Yeah. So geographically, people talk differently. Yeah, I think it's a geographical thing. Yeah. Um, it's still wrong. It's Don't still wrong. It's still it's wrong. wrong yeah. But I took it as, oh, this dude's trying to be funny to that roughneck audience that likes that style of comedy. Yeah. It's just not landing and it's not funny. Right. And my thing, and I know comics go, hey, we should get a pass. Not a pass, but it's comedy. Leave us alone. Don't. But my thing is also, I think today, you should be responsible for what you say. We're, we yes, live in a climate the, now that mm-hmm. you know what you say could hurt you. So not be careful, but be willing to take the repercussions from it. Totally. And if you're feeding into, you know, this, this fan base that respects they're like, ah, oh, just talk however, that's cool. But understand if you break out of the stratosphere and there's a super mainstream job like SNL, their standards are going to be very different than these standards down here. You know what I mean? It was interesting. Like uh, you have to be squeaky once you get up here. Oh yeah. And you can't be surprised now that you're under the microscope. Well, it's interesting. My friend goes, would you have hired him? I go, well, if I was on a Dave Chappelle type of show on mm-hmm. comedy, I would have hired him in a sec. Cause I want that opposite side. Yeah. But SNL now I'm Lauren Michaels or the network. 
I got to respect all the people on the show. It's not his show. He's coming on to a show. So now he has to be able to work with everybody on that staff and knowing you just hired the first Asian American on the show. Yes. So it's, it's, it's become bigger. It's become like, it's, it's bigger it, than just what he said. Everybody on that floor has yeah, kind of it morphed. It morphed. Yeah. It. So like now, even if you really like want to hire the guy and think he's funny, it's just, it, you can't, you know, it's just become so big that you can't even operate as a show anymore. So, yeah. and, and that goes back to cancel culture. What's your <laughs> thoughts on that? Cause I think it's going to, it's going to reverse and it's going to reverse hard. You know what I'm noticing is like, we like to think that it's so clear cut and it's so easy. There's so much friendly fire. Uh, we, we can't tell who's the ally and who's not. And, so true. and we like to think that we do, but like, like this Shane Gillis is different than like the Melissa Vissignor tweets is different than, you know, like it's different than, but we all lump it. Yeah. There's a lot of collateral it, damage and well, no one knows what it is. Cause it's so new. Yeah. It's new. But I, I also feel like it's a thing where people, a lot of people are saying a lot of things that are wrong. I don't want to say racist, a lot of things that are wrong, but they get judged differently, you know? So it's, it's kind of like, and, and what the thing I don't like is how people reach way in the past. For instance, they go, well, 20 years ago, you could say that. So why can't you? So you're not, you're not thinking about the cultural shift. You're just going, it should be like it is in the past. You know, yeah. like we celebrate Eddie Murphy's new special coming out. If it ever comes right. out, there is no way those raw and delirious could ever air oh, today. I mean, yeah. Like it, there's it, even bits that, uh, that maybe I did three years ago or four years ago. I'm like, I wouldn't do that today. So, but you're shifting with the cultural shift where, yes. because I think we're me and you, we're not the Dave Chappelle where we, I got money in the bank, whatever. I'm going to do whatever I yeah. want. And we have a to lot, play the game. We have to play the game. And I think when a lot of bigger, you hear from a lot of bigger comedians, Hey man, you got to say what you ever, you know, say what's on your mind. You got to stay true mm-hmm. to comedy. I get that. I understand that. But a lot of these people saying that are super rich right, and they, right, and they right, can right, afford right. that. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? When you're trying to come up, get on a show or build a career, it's hard to do that because look at Shane. This is his big shot. Yeah. And he stuck to what y'all said and it got taken away. And I don't see comedians coming out everywhere and having his back. Yeah. No, you know, there are, there are some. There are, yeah. You know what I'm realizing? Like the comedy scene, it's, it's like, um, Professor X and Magneto. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever these yeah. things happen, it's like, what side are you on? It is. It is. And it's, it's a thing where, but if you like a comic, you'll have their back. Yeah. Like if you don't know him, you're like, well, that's stupid. But if you know him, but, you- but here's the thing though. It's easy to say if you like him, you'll have his back. But then there are some people who might like have an opinion on it and, they they might want to tweet something, but then like, why am I taking food on? Like, what's the, why do I dare even try to like, I might be fucking my shit up if I. That, that's right. If you went out and defended him, especially on Twitter, Twitter, on Twitter. Is like, I could be like, we're having a nice day, and like, m- my life is over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like Twitter. If you let's say, all right, we need a replacement for mm-hmm. Shane, and you tweeted, ah oh, man, I got your back, man. And, oh, let's call. Oh wait, he just sweet. Like now you're hurting your career by defending a person like that. And Dave Chappelle, whoever, Bill Burr, they can do that all day long. Yeah. Us, like you're taking food. You have to be strategic. Like, yeah. We have to be very cautious about everything that we do. So are you, how cautious are you on stage now? On stage? Less. That's the beauty of on stage is, um, that's why when someone gets attacked about something they say on stage, I think is unfortunate because that should be, uh, I mean, not to sound corny, but like a safe space or a safety net. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause if I have some outrageous thought and I take a stab at it and it falls flat, I've learned <laughs> that's a lesson. That's yeah. like a dog, like putting a dog's nose in some shit. Like, yeah. all right, I know like that's too far. That's where the line is. The audience tells you, but if someone just like recorded that or like some journalist was there and then runs with it, like, no, you don't understand. I'm not going to do that bitter. Like I was, just, I was like, a, you have to appreciate the swing. Well, it's like, if a journalist was there, it's like taking their rough draft and going, this is how you write? Yeah. You know, their first draft and going, oh, this is, you're a shitty writer. I think everyone, or uh, to, I don't know, the layman, they, they think that stand-up is a finished product every time they see that person. You don't understand that anytime you see a comedian on stage, they're in flux. Yeah, it's always that, that's working. not, yeah. When they put it on a special, that's like as close to finished as it's going to be. And as soon as they get off stage, you're like, oh, I could have done it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. Like no comic is just like, it's perfect. It's just like, oh, we're filming tomorrow. All right. I guess this is the best I have it right now. 
You d- you created another character uh-huh. that you do on stage. Do you still do him? At, what, what's I the name? Done him for a bit for like a year, a year and a half. What's, Lance Lance Gonstopoulos. Yes. How did that originate? Because I saw you. There's a clip that went viral of you uh-huh. going at somebody oh, at the belly room. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to talk crap, yeah. and you went. How did that character start? And everybody watching or listening to this pod. How can people discover this character? Just YouTube Lance Can't Stopolis. Lance Can't Stopolis. Yeah. So. It is so freaking Thanks, funny. How, how'd you come up with it? That's just um, the beauty of the comedy store. I, I think for as much as some people would like to think that the comedy store is just like super clubby and, and maybe like, I don't know if you want to stereotype it, like, oh, it's like 80s. It's all like machismo, just 80s comics or set up and punch. I almost think, you know how in the political spectrum, like you could be so left and then you come back around right? Yeah. The comedy store is kind of like that where I think there's some, there's some alt sensibilities at the comedy store, especially in the dark ages. Like it, there's three showrooms. It's dark. You can, you can be experimental, but not everyone, um, uses it like that, but you can. Like, yeah, like the belly room. That's kind of like that's what that room's for. Yeah. And to I have fun and totally. And you could take risks and, you know, we're all friends there. It's not like some places are like, you've got to, you've got to be great every time you feel like you're on the chopping block. I mean, I'm so far beyond that now, but like at the comedy store, like once you're in, you, you can take risks and it's respected you, and they just know you're a funny person. Even if it like the swing you took wasn't great for that night. Whereas other clubs would be like, you wouldn't dare take those type of risks. Because I, every time I'm at the comedy store, uh-huh. I try to crush. Well, you're in a different, like, yeah. I've been past there for a long yeah, time. I true. know everybody. So it's like. People know you're funny. Yes. And- yes. They'll know I'm trying something or so this kind of came to be because I was already a guy there and they knew I was funny. And, um, so, uh, Willie Hunter, he, you know, Willie Hunter, right? No. He, he's a stand up comedian. He, he's a, he was, uh, he worked on the Gerard show on okay. NBC. Okay, yep. He's a talented writer and comedian. So he had this variety show in um, the main room, <laughs> yeah. you know, where you have guests and everything. And then he called me and he was like, Hey, I want you to, can you dance on my variety show? <laughs> like, like as a guest, like uh-huh. just like a musical guest or something. You just come on dance. I'm like, ah, that'd be kind of weird. Like if I just, as Fahim come out and dance, dance I guess yeah. I kind of sad a little bit too. <laughs> I go, that's weird. I don't know. <laughs> but then I had this character. I did him for a video I don't think what the video is. It was this video I did with Melissa V. Senor back in the day. This is one of my favorite sketches that we've done. It's called Dirty Breakin'. Dirty Breakin'. Dirty I gotta Breakin'. Look that one yeah, okay. YouTube Dirty Breakin'. If you type my name in and Dirty Breakin', it's like one of my favorites. But I visually, I had this character, like I had a mullet, I had a jean jacket, and like a wife beater, and like acid wash jeans, and like tucked into and I had belts. It was just like great. Look like Van Damme from Hard Target. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah. He's like an amalgam of every 80s machismo archetype, like Swayze. <clears throat> so visually, I had this guy. I was like, I'll dance. I'll do it. And I'll, I'll, I'll be this guy. And he's like, okay, great. He goes, he goes, he goes, what's his name? And I was on the phone and I was like, um, Lance, cause it rhymed with dance in my head. And I'm like, Lance can't stop a list. <laughs> well, well, like he can't stop dancing. You know? I'm like, Lance can't stop a list. And he's like, all right, I'll put it on the flyer. So, <laughs> so they make, they make a flyer and everything. And then, um, it comes the night of the show. And I, I, I had a plan for this dance number. I was going to dance to Chromeo's night by night. Okay. I don't know that song. Oh, I, love okay. that song. I love Chromeo. So, and so, um, and I planned a little thing. I was just going to dance around and stuff. And then I was going to have one of the security, they had like security. He was going to come with like a leaf blower from one of the guitar solos. <laughs> so I had like Dan Madonia. Yeah. He was like, no, he actually had a guitar for this like guitar breakdown in the song. So after I'm dancing around that, that, that part comes out and then we're like back to back. The, <laughs> the like leaf blowers is blowing our hair and shit. <laughs> is the crowd going for oh, it? Oh, they're loving it. Oh, they're yeah, loving it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Especially because when I started, I started the dance number, like the lights go down. <laughs> like, I, I really did like a world of dance type thing. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, I'm starting on the floor and then I edited some like ocean sounds before the song comes in. So it's like, you just hear waves. Like, <laughs> like I really arted it up Yeah, and you hear seagulls and shit like, <laughs> and I really like Cirque du Soleil performance it. And then, and then I start dancing and shit. And then, yeah, there's that guitar solo and it was great. You know, people loved it. 
And I'm just floating around the comedy. I'm still dressed like this. I still have like a mullet and yeah. I'm still dressed like this guy. And this is back, you know, it's the dark ages a little bit. So I'm floating around the hallway. Brenton Biddlecombe catches me in the hallway. He's like, yo, we don't have anybody in the OR. Do you want to, do you want to go up? Oh my God. That's I'm, still, I'm still dressed like this. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Cause like you, you don't turn down stage time. Right? No, never. So I'm like, yeah, cool. All right. <laughs> I'm about to go up and I'm going to drive this mullet and everything and shit. <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, I can't just be like, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I think I have to put an accent on or something. And I go, all right, all right. So they introduced me. And there was, was hardly any people, maybe like 10 people in the crowd. There was like these cougars in the front row. And I go up and I, they bring me up as Lance Canstopoulos. <laughs> and, and I was like, what's up? How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> You're good. You know, and I'm just like, we got like cougars in the front row. <laughs> I go to, we well, have tiny champagne. <laughs> Cause they had these tiny champagne. Moments. Like you couldn't afford the big champagne. <laughs> so, and it was getting this laugh. Uh-huh. That was different than kind of like when I do, when you like do they're different that. things. Like when you do a joke, you're like, ah, oh, I see what he did here. The syntax and all yeah. that. But Lance, like sometimes I get laughs off of things that weren't even a joke. Cause you're just watching. I learned that it's a different thing over time. Like I don't go up there with jokes. It's just, um, all you have to do is be, you just have to exist. exist if you're yeah. true to the character, it's going to be inherently funny. Yeah. Like, and then Cause it's so out of play. It's so fish out of water. And some people are just like, is this guy, f-? there are so many people like half the crowd are like, who is it? Like they think it's like a real dude. <laughs> and then half the crowd knows and they like to watch. There's just like layers to it. And it was a type of laugh that where like when you're growing up with your brother or sister and just something is, it's like childhood laughter, yeah. like like sleepover. Uh-huh. It's not adult, like, oh, yes, life is hard or, yeah. you know, it's the, it just it's, cuts through everything. Yeah. It's a different, you're right, you're right. Because it, even when I laugh at it, it's a kid laugh. Yes, it's a kid it, laugh. It's almost like, oh, this is hilarious. This, this It touches a different bone in you. For sure. Yeah. And it's fun just as a writer type guy to just, oh, I don't have to think about any of that. I could just show up and as long as i'm in in the moment and then then it's gonna be great you know and, I love and, it. and then the fuel became just he just goes up there dances for a minute up top and then goes anybody have any questions for me <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just q a and every, every, everyone just asks what and then he just goes on tangents and just answers and it's the best shit ever when's the last time you've done it oh, it's been like a i might bring him we'll see i you might should, bring him if back. you yeah, do yeah. text me because i want to like be there rogan texts me he's like He's like, bring Lance back. <laughs> you so should do it on one of Rogan shows. I have shows. to really think about it. You should do it on one of Rogan shows. Yeah, yeah. Like just go elk hunting. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <his bare> hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fahim, thank you so much. Where can people follow you? Uh, just all social. So at Fahim Anwar for Instagram and Twitter. I have a special, my, my one that it's on Prime. If you have Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, yep. So it's called There's No Business Like Show Business. Goatface, the sketch show I did with my buddies, Hassan and Asif and Aristotle. You can find that on Prime 2 or Comedy Central. It's called Goat Face. Check okay. that out. And then I have a podcast, too, called Fahim Anwar Dance Hour. There you go. So, yeah. Where, are, are you going to do a Lance one? What, like a podcast? Yeah. I did for a little bit. There's, oh, okay. there's probably like 70 episodes. And oh, then, nice. And then, you know, Lance, he, I don't know, he's in a, a log cabin somewhere. No one knows what he's doing. <laughs> All right, dude. Thank you so yeah, much, man. man. Thanks for having All me. right. For the people watching, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give it five stars. We'll see you next time.